When something is made with the right ingredients, the right care, the right love, and it's all put together, the result is delicious delight. When something is made with the wrong ingredients, the result is disappointment and disgust. Now, I'm hoping to eat some good food later on this evening as uh, we go to the second worship service of the day, the Super Bowl. No, I mean, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Hope to eat some delicious food tonight. Uh, and I brought this morning uh, my Grandma Hickox's uh, bread recipe that I actually made for the first time, I'll admit, just for the first time yesterday. And uh, my grandmother had 10 kids, and so bread had to be made efficiently and quickly, so it's very simple. It's like four or five ingredients, uh, but it is delicious. It has the right uh, recipe that just it makes everything taste amazing. And so I'm going to leave this here because I want you to think of Jesus' kingdom as delicious bread he is making and wanting to release into the world. That's going to be our metaphor today. In Mark chapters 7 through 8, I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. There are several stories that run together that reference bread. Now, I'm not going to go strictly in chronological order this morning, but here's what I want to do. I want to talk about some of the ingredients that are supposed to make up the kingdom of Jesus. Then we're going to look at some things that spoil the kingdom bread. And then we're going to look at how we can receive that delicious bread and give it out to others, okay? So first, it's incredibly important to understand what kind of bread Jesus is making. So I don't really have like points for you today. We're just going to look at different parts of this. So we're going to, so let's start with the bread of Jesus' kingdom. What goes into this bread? Now, Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God, he has a vision of what he's trying to do. And if Jesus had a recipe for the kingdom, we want to ask, what would be on that recipe list? Uh, you could take a whole course on that question, uh, and we certainly would need to go outside uh, just these two chapters of Mark. We'd have to look at the whole Gospels and the whole Bible, so understand that this is a very limited uh, thing we're doing this morning. But I do want to lay out a few ingredients of things we could notice in these chapters about the kingdom bread Jesus is making. So the beginning of this chapter, it opens up with a confrontation between the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and Jesus. Uh, they were very much concerned with ritual laws, purity laws. Now, these were things that one had to do to be ritually pure to enter into the temple. Uh, and so that's not something that you necessarily need to be, needed to be concerned about every day, but the Pharisees, they decided that people should practice these as a matter of personal holiness, whether or not you were going to be going to the temple. Does that make sense? You guys with me there? So Jesus declared that it's not, it's not what, uh, it's, it's what comes out of a person that makes them unclean or unholy. In fact, it's not about these rituals, it's a matter of the heart. It's not literally scrubbing yourself clean to be acceptable before God, it's a scrubbing of the heart. And so in this way, Jesus is, op is opening the door uh, to the idea that the kingdom is going to be a matter of the heart, not of purity rituals. And this is what the prophets said would happen. In Ezekiel 36, God promised, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. 
Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And listen to this. I will save you from all your uncleanness. It's the Spirit of God purifying the human heart that makes us clean and right before Him. Make sense? This is what Jesus is saying. So one of the most important ingredients in the delicious bread Jesus wants to release into the world are people who have clean hearts purified by the Holy Spirit. Pure hearts purified by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Spirit of God. So that's one ingredient we're going to look at. But right after this, Mark has Jesus go into Gentile territory. Now, he, he exercises the demon out of this Syrophoenician woman's daughter. She, too, wants to eat the bread of the kingdom, and she's able to eat some. We're going to come back to her story later. In Mark 7.31, Jesus heads into the region of the Decapolis. This is also a Gentile area that, remember, this is where he uh, exercised the legion of demons out of that man. Uh, And so he comes into this region, and he makes a a deaf and mute person hear and speak. And then we get to chapter 8, and there is a miraculous uh, feeding. And you might have been reading this or hearing this, and you might say, didn't we just hear about this? Did we not just hear this story? Did, did Pastor Nate not just touch on this last week? And you'd be right. There's a second feeding, miraculous feeding story. You know, the Apostle John, he, he said, Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would, not, would have room uh, for the books that would be written. You know, we only get a small sample of what Jesus said and did. So why is it that we get two stories that are basically the same thing? Why is that? Well, you won't be surprised. There's a lot of debate about that. (laughs) But the first feeding of the the 5,000 is in Jewish territory. And here in Mark 8, the feeding of the 4,000 is in Gentile territory. So Jesus' bread, it's not just going to be for the people of Israel, but the door is even being slightly open now that this is going to be released for all the nations. We're starting to see the beginning of that fulfillment and that promise of the of the gospel spreading through the to the ends of the earth, like we saw in the book of Acts. God is opening up the kingdom to the nations. You know, that was one of the prophetic visions of the kingdom that God had promised. In Isaiah 25 it says, On this mountain the Lord of armies will prepare for all the peoples a feast. When he has swallowed up death once and for all, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. The promise is that when the resurrection to life happens, God is going to heal all of our grief and have us sit down for a feast with people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language from all of the course of human history in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful vision? That is an essential ingredient to the bread, to the kingdom that Jesus wants to release into this world. And so, Jesus' bread, it needs these pure hearts purified by the Spirit. It needs this, this diverse group of people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. But the recipe is not yet complete. In Mark 8, he again highlights Jesus's compassion. Remember the disciples, they were tired, they didn't have compassion. Jesus had compassion. And he says so again in Mark 8, Verses 2 through 3, Jesus says, I have compassion for these people 
They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. The Lord Jesus, He cares for the physical needs of these people. His compassion, it always flowed down to the most needy place. And this is why we have seen Him repeatedly casting out demons and doing all kinds of wondrous miracles, not simply because they give us glimpses of His divinity, but they show us His compassionate heart for those in need. So what kind of kingdom is our Lord establishing? Well, if you hear Jesus' own words, He quotes the prophet, well, actually Isaiah's words that He quotes in Luke 4. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a kingdom that's flowing out to the most needy places. And He wants His people to be involved in this. This is why in both stories of the miraculous feedings, He always involves His disciples. You give them something to eat. You be a part of this. I want to involve you in this. And so I would simply say this, and I have this on the screen for you. If I were to give a recipe list from Mark chapter 7 and 8, it's this. Jesus is building a kingdom of people from diverse, background, from diverse backgrounds whose hearts have been purified by the Holy Spirit and who, who will meet the spiritual and physical needs of others. That's the recipe for Jesus' kingdom bread. He wants people from all over the world, from every type of background, from every nation, who are filled with His Holy Spirit, whose hearts are set ablaze for Him. And they are going to work together with the compassion of Jesus to meet the spiritual and practical needs of people, the hungry, the sick, the vulnerable, the oppressed, the imprisoned, the least of these. This is who Jesus came to heal, is it not? So these three ingredients, they are essential to delicious, to the healthy kingdom bread Jesus wants to make. But prone to sin as we are, we are prone to meddle with the ingredients, maybe change them a little bit, maybe, maybe try a different recipe, and we're prone to allowing toxins into this bread. So I want to talk about that. Let's talk about the leaven. This is the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Now, there is a warning in this passage that I want to spend some time seriously thinking about. In Mark 8.15, Jesus is pretty ominous. He says, be careful. Be careful, he warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So it says Jesus warned them. These are orders to be obeyed by his disciples. So he says, and then he says, be careful and watch out. They're words that mean almost the same thing. Be careful to avoid this trap. So what, what must we be obedient? What must we be obedient uh, to be obedient about, to be careful of, and watching out for? Sorry, I kind of said that in a jumble. <laughs> the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. That's what we're watching out for. Now, when I hear yeast, I think of that, that little packet. Maybe it's usually yellow, that yellow packet of bread that I used to make this bread right up here. Okay, that's not exactly what they were using at that time. They would take a piece of the leftover dough from the prior week and they would leave it out for a week and it would ferment and they would add juices to it. And David Garland says, this homemade rising agent 
was fraught with health hazards because it could easily become tainted. It would then spread poison when baked with the rest of the dough. It, in turn, would infect the next batch, ruining the whole thing. Okay? So, in general, in the Jewish mind, leaven, is the more proper word for it, leaven uh, became associated with the evil influence of sin in the world. And leaven, it works invisibly and rapidly. You know, it's, it's kind of like carbon monoxide. You can't see it, you can't taste it, you don't, you don't smell it, but pretty quickly it can kill you. Something to watch out for, right? So Jesus is saying that this, this leaven, the, the influence of the Pharisees and that of Herod, is dangerous to his kingdom bread. He warned us to be careful about this influence. It's going to ruin the whole bread and make it toxic. Now, the Pharisees and Herod, they, if they were going to make their own kingdom bread, they would have very different recipe lists from each other and from Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, they were a religious reform movement in Israel. In Matthew and Luke, their evil influence is described as separately their teaching and their hypocrisy. In Mark, Jesus rebukes them for putting the traditions over the commands of God and for putting the external rituals over the internal sin in the heart. But at their core, their vision of the kingdom is a strict observance to Jewish law according to the ancestral customs and traditions with a Jewish king ruling over it all. Does that make sense? Do you get their vision? They want people to strictly observe the Torah according to all their traditions. And so, in general, they were content with Rome being in power. They were content with with Caesar as long as they could have control over the teaching and administration of the Jewish law, which they were in the position to do. And so, they were so stuck on fulfilling the vision of this kingdom that their their hearts were hardened uh, to the vision that Jesus brought to them in His kingdom. They could not receive it. They could not see it. They had their own vision. They were blind and deaf to the spiritual truth. And Jesus saw this vision of the kingdom as uh, an evil influence that could corrupt his message of the kingdom. And then Jesus, he warns them about this, and he also warns them about the yeast of Herod. Now, there are a lot of Herods in the Bible. It can get really confusing. Uh, They're all from the same family, all the same family. Herod the Great was the evil king when Jesus was born. This is his son, Herod Antipas, and he owed his political position to Rome. They put him in place and put him in charge over the northern region of Galilee. And there's nothing religious at all about Herod, right? Now, I didn't preach on it, but you've either read or you remember the awful story about Herod Antipas in Mark chapter 6. The background is Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife, it was, a, it was adultery. It was an unlawful marriage. Uh, and so John the Baptist calls Herod out about this. And in response, Herod throws John into prison. And then Herod throws himself this opulent birthday party with all kinds of powerful and rich people. And his unlawful wife's daughter dances in front of everybody. And it says that Herod and the group, he's so pleased. He offers her up to half the kingdom. And because this daughter, her mom had a grudge with John the Baptist, she asked for his head on a platter. And that's how John the Baptist dies. 
What a terrible story, right? It's a terrible, awful story. So ultimately, Herod, his kingdom vision of, is of his own worldly power. He was pro-Roman, and his vision for, of the kingdom of Israel was pro-Roman and pro-Herod. That's what he wants to do. And so Herod had a group of supporters called the Herodians. What a you know, creative name, the Herodians. And Mark has alerted us already to the astounding, astonishing fact that the Pharisees are working with the Herodians. You might not have caught this in the Lectio Divina. Look, put this on the screen for you. Mark 3, 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What in the world do these two groups of people have any business working together? Their visions of the kingdom are entirely different. After Jesus heals the man, it says they work together how they might kill Jesus. And now Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. This alliance of evil influence working together against his kingdom. They have found a common enemy in Jesus because, his teaching and his, because of his teaching and his popularity, he is a threat to their influence and power. He's a threat to their vision for society. So let's recap. A religious renewal movement within Israel compromises their values and vision of the kingdom to partner with a visibly immoral king and political group in order to ensure their vision for society is put and kept in place. Do we ever see this happening? <laughs> the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod are working together. And Jesus is aware of this connection. How it's an evil influence, how it's a dangerous toxin to his bread. And the disciples, they are at risk of allowing this evil influence to permeate their vision of the kingdom and their discipleship. That's how leaven works. And even when we get to the book of Acts, after Jesus is raised, remember what they asked Jesus? Lord, is it not time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, they're still wondering, God, when are you going to make our nation powerful again? When are you going to do this, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, 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 you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power, and you're going to go to the nations, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus has to keep reminding us that his kingdom vision is not of this world, but it's for this world. But it's not of this world. But we keep allowing the leaven of the Pharisees and that of Herod to infiltrate the church. We keep compromising with the Herods of our day in order to enforce our vision upon society. And this happens on both sides of any aisle, and it's been a problem for 2,000 years. So it's nothing new. But it happens when we allow the toxicity, the ungodliness, the immorality, the anger, the divisiveness, and the rhetoric of the world, the antagonisms of the world, when we allow these things to seep into the body of Christ. Aren't we at danger for that? I mean, I think it's undeniable that this happens, has happened, and is happening right now. And the church is now affiliated with what's going on out there. And people taste the bread that we're putting out and it tastes terrible. It's starting to taste really toxic. Sometimes the bread tastes so bad 
it tastes like those portable, disposable communion wafers that we have to have right now. It is disgusting. I can't wait for those to be gone. (laughs) But it's disgusting. That's what the bread is starting to taste like. It's bad because we've allowed the toxins to infiltrate our kingdom vision. We've compromised the kingdom values so that as long as what we want to have happen, so that it happens in society, we don't care. As long as we get what we want. And Jesus warned them, be aware. Look out for this. Watch out for this influence. Be on your guard about this. Don't let this seep into the church. So friends, how can we watch out for this? How can we resist the toxins that are out there that want to pollute the kingdom bread of Jesus? I'd love to talk about this a long time, but one idea I'll give you is that we are all influenced by what we consume. We're all influenced by what we consume. We're not objective sticks on a head that, that we just can critically evaluate everything. No, everything you put into your brain, it influences you. And so, who are you listening to most? Whose vision of the world, whose vision of the kingdom is influencing you right now? I think the discipleship problem that the church has is we're, we're consuming way more the media and the media heads of all kinds than we are the words of Jesus. And so we cannot, we cannot win this battle when we're being discipled by every other voice, by every other kingdom vision, and they're, and they're playing upon our anger, they're playing upon our antagonisms, and we're allowing that to come in here, and Jesus wants to give us the kingdom bread that's unpolluted by the world. Don't we want that kingdom bread? We need the unpolluted bread of Jesus. And many of us are at a place where we long for Jesus to satisfy us with this bread. Not the toxic bread we've been tasting. But friends, even though there is much toxic stuff out there and even in here, there's still hope. There is still hope. We're not defeated. We're not defeated. And we can both receive the bread we need and we can start giving it out to others. So that's the last thing I want to talk about this morning. How can we do this? How can we receive and give the pure bread of Jesus? This is something we need. We need this desperately. So let's start with the receiving. I'm going to go back to Mark 7. There's a story that puzzles many of us. It's the story of the the woman who comes to Jesus. She was born in Syrian Phoenicia. This is verse 26. She begs Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus says, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Why does Jesus seem to at first deny this woman's request and also call her a dog, seemingly? It's a passage that puzzles many people. Uh, And I want you to remember that this takes place after Jesus has declared all foods clean. And he had confronted the Pharisees and saying, you know, our cleanliness is not from the outward ritual, but the internal heart. And then he goes into Gentile territory. But we need to remember that Jesus' love and compassion was already available to the Gentiles. Remember, he he heals the man and exercises the demon out of the man with the legion of demons in the Decapolis. So if Jesus had any type of real theology about, hey, my healing cannot go to Gentiles yet, 
he did not allow it to influence what he did uh, for this man in the Decapolis, right? And so, there's a lot of interpretations about this, but I think that this is the one that makes the most sense to me. Jesus is playfully challenging this woman. He's playfully challenging her. He is putting a, a false obstacle in her way only to incite her to greater faith. And I was trying to think of a way to explain this, and I, was, and I came up with a, hy- a hypothetical story. All right, so follow me. Thinking about this hypothetical situation, when Daisy turns 18 years old, and she comes as my daughter, she's, she's four now, for those of you who don't know, and she comes to me when she's 18 after, after a childhood of, of watching me pastor, and then she comes to me and says, Dad, I think I would really like to be a pastor. I would hold back my tears. <laughs> With a twinkle in my eye, I might say, well, that's great, honey, but you know, women aren't qualified to be pastors. Now, you know, I'm a covenant pastor. I, be- I believe in women in ministry. I believe the Bible teaches that. But I'm saying this with a twinkle in my eye because I I want her to overcome this obstacle that others might put in her way. And so in this hypothetical situation, I imagine that my daughter is really holy and she says something super humble like, Dad, you know, it's it's I'm not I'm not qualified to be a pastor anyway. It's only the Lord who calls and calls and qualifies people. Oh, for that response, you, I'm going to ordain you right now. <laughs> you're ordained. You're ready. You're ready. is so humble. It's not about me, me being qualified. It's about God who's qualifying me. I hope this hypothetical story may give you some insight into what's going on here. Jesus puts this obstacle in front of her, and she says, I just want some crumbs from the master's table. And I think he says with joy, oh, for that response. Your daughter is healed. So friend, I ask you, do you want the pure bread of Jesus? Do you want the pure bread of his kingdom? Don't you know that you don't deserve it? Don't you know that your life is filled with toxins and compromises and you've also been a part of the toxicity of the bread? Don't you know that you've messed it all up? Do you see what I'm doing? I'm putting a false obstacle in front of you. It's only for those who are humble who can say, yes, I haven't messed it up. My life is broken. I do need this pure bread. I have made mistakes. I do need forgiveness and mercy and healing. So yes, I want the kingdom bread. That's what we need. So we can receive this. God delights to give his bread to all those who have the humility to call out for it. So friends, don't despair about how bad things may seem to be. We can receive this bread from the Lord that's unpolluted, but we can also give it out to other people. Because also, here's the good news, friends. The leaven of the kingdom also works in the opposite direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the kingdom is like a woman mixing leaven into a whole batch of dough and it can permeate the whole thing. And if we fill our lives and our churches with the pure Jesus and His kingdom vision, we can offer good bread to the world. And in both of these feeding miracles, Jesus involves His disciples. Come, feed the people with this good bread. So our world is longing for this pure bread from heaven. We are commissioned to give them this bread. We need to receive it ourselves first. 
We need to reorient our vision to Jesus' vision of the kingdom. I'll remind you it's a kingdom of people with hearts purified by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, of diverse backgrounds from all kinds of nations, focused on compassionate ministry to those in need. How's your vision? How's your vision? We've got to get our vision right, then we go about being leaven. And a little yeast can work through the whole batch of dough. And i ask you one final question, but I'm going to invite John and Kevin up. They're going to give us a moment uh, to reflect on this. Uh, but as they're coming up and preparing for the song, think about this. How can you be a positive, light-filled, love-embracing, compassionate-helping, peacemaking force for good wherever God has placed you? Could you be this for Faith Covenant? Could you be this for your family? Could you be this for wherever you live, work, and play? You are God's leaven in the world. May people joyfully eat what you're offering. May they taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen.